Thank you and good morning again to students and teachers of the Word of God. Today begins a series of broadcasts that deal with the second main topic of theology called Christology. These lessons deal with uh, God the Son, that is, the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had 12 broadcasts on theology proper, the study of God the Father. We have discussed the matter of the Trinity and pointed out all the verses that deal with the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. Our next 34 lessons will deal with the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these lessons are called properly Christology, that is, the study of Christ. In these series of lessons now, which will take up the next 34 broadcasts, we'll deal with the virgin birth of Christ, the deity of Christ, the relationship of the Son to the Father, the humanity of Christ, the sinlessness of Christ, the character of Christ, his teachings, his commandments, his miracles, his death and resurrection, his ascension, the second coming, and the results of his return to this earth. Our first series of lessons today on today's broadcast will deal primarily with the prophecies that uh, had to do with the life of Christ, prophecies concerning Christ's origin and prophecies concerning Christ's life, because long before the Lord Jesus Christ was born, it was certainly prophesied that he would come. After all, the final and sure test of the infallibility of the Word of God and God's authority is prophecy, for he who knows from the, the end from the beginning has spoken. First of all, we deal with the prophecies and the life of Christ. Long before Jesus Christ was born, it was prophesied that he would come. As a matter of fact, the first prophecy occurred more than uh, 3,000 years before his birth. Uh, fulfilled prophecy is the main proof that the Bible is the written Word of God, because the Bible makes more than 800 prophecies, and all of them removed far enough in time from their fulfillment so there could be no chance of accident. And these 800 fulfilled prophecies, these 800 fulfilled prophecies, 300 of them have already been fulfilled literally, and there are 500 that remain in the future. The mathematical probability of these prophecies coming to pass is less than 1 out of 10 to the 895th power. There are not as many electrons in the universe as there are in the chances involved. So when we speak about the Bible being Holy Scripture, we're speaking with mathematical certainty of a scientific fact. There are no books in science that are written that accurately. There are no textbook on science that can match the Word of God. The Word of God, for example, makes 48 prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ's first coming, about the single man. The chances of 48 prophecies coming to pass on the life of one man, with the prophecies written 400 to 2,000 years before he was born, are 1 out of 10 to the 157th power. And as we've said before, there are not that many electrons in the universe. If you figure out the number of electrons in the universe by figuring those in atoms and figure the number of atoms per square inch and multiply it to 150 billion square light years, you will find it does not take up 157 zeros. So when we speak of the Holy Bible on a level far below any scientific achievement in America today, and the no scientists at uh, Houston Space Center who could possibly keep up with the Word of God, uh, the mathematical geniuses who can figure out the a uh, square root of a number, a certain number running in eight or nine digits, are small pickings after all. After all, the Bible makes 48 prophecies about one man more than 400 years before he is born. All of them come to in the button. And there are no mathematical geniuses dead or alive. There are no college curriculums, existent or non-existent. And there are no textbooks on mathematics that have been written or going to be written that would take such a chance. And if they did, they couldn't produce the goods. So when we talk about the prophecies of Christ, we're on a scientific level far above the most brilliant mathematician that ever lived, and Einstein is really a girl scout compared with these mathematical facts. Jesus did not come to earth unannounced. He came in the fullness of time. 
and a study of the fulfillment of minute details encourages our faith in God, who not only draws up a master plan, but the intricate details of the blueprints ahead of time. We see the details are fulfilled exactly as prophesied, and this can strengthen the faith of the believer in the inspiration of Scripture, and prove the Bible is not an assortment of books by various authors, but one book with one author, God. It also proves the Bible is not a, a drop of truth in an ocean of truth, or a bucket of truth in an ocean of truth. It is the whole ocean collapsed into your pocket. There are no sacred scriptures so-called of any religion that dare undertake what the Holy Bible undertakes. And the surest proof you have that the other so-called sacred scriptures are irreverent tomfoolery is the fact none of them even try the Bible phenomena. The Bible prophesies 48 details of a man's life before he is born, brings him through in the money, and then hazards 500 more prophecies which are yet in the future. The Sutras and Vedas and Shastras and Purahabit and Bahavad Gita and the Tripitaka and the Puranas do not dare hazard such a guess, and the Koran by Muhammad, uh, the Koran, of course, compared with the Bible, in this respect, uh, looks about like a mole hill would look alongside Mount Everest. I don't mean to be unkind what I'm saying. What I mean to be is mathematically exact from a scientific point of view. And when I say what I say, I'm speaking from a stand of computerized fact. I'm not speaking from the standpoint of religious faith. After all, our religion is not based on faith. Our religion is based on historical fact, which can be computerized. There are no computers made or to be made that would hazard the chances that are hazarded by the King James Bible. For example, the King James text has 500 prophecies in it that deal with the second coming of Christ that haven't taken place yet. You know what the chances are of a man batting 500 out of 500? That is, you know what the chances are of a man batting 1,000 through a period of 300 years? Do you know what those chances are? Well, that's the chance the Bible takes and never apologized to anybody. And considering the fact that there are five and a half miles of obsolete books on science, well, the scientific facts have changed to compile five and a half miles of books that are no longer relevant to scientific theory. What would science be alongside the Bible but a baby waiting for a handout? To assume that all these things just accidentally happen is an accident too great even for the imagination of an evolutionist. You'll find evolutionists who don't believe in the Word of God, and yet they have more scientific proof the Bible's the Word of God than they do in Darwin's uh, Puddle of Paradise theory the child's garden of verses. Our faith is undergirded by the witness of fulfilled prophecy, and it helps us to stand firm and unmovable because everything God ever said would come to pass came to pass, and what he has said that has not yet come to pass will come to pass as surely as the things he said before came to pass, which he said would come to pass. For example, here are some prophecies concerning Christ's origin and Christ's life. The chance of these prophecies coming out and being fulfilled in the life of one man are one out of ten to the ninety-seventh power. One out of ten with ninety-seven zeros after it. Did you ever write that down on a sheet of paper and see what it looked like? Do you know what that is, is the equivalent of? That's the equivalent of taking one piece of sand on a beach in Samoa and wrapping it in scotch tape and putting that grain of sand back and burying it three feet deep, and then telling a man to go out and find that grain of sand. From every beach in the world, pick up that grain. Do you know what your chances are would be of doing that? 
one out of ten times itself ninety-seven times. And those are the chances the Bible takes, which no religious book in the world would dare take, and Gene Dixon and Edgar Casey and Khalil Gibran, alongside such odds, are simply two, two, brother. I mean, who would take such nonsense seriously who knew the Bible? Christ would come out of Israel, Numbers 24, 17 to 19. Christ would be the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, Genesis chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Christ would be born of the family of David, Genesis 49 and Isaiah 11. Christ would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5. Christ would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7. The time of his coming was specified in Daniel 9. Christ's coming was announced by a forerunner, Isaiah 40. The Messiah would be God manifest in the flesh, according to Isaiah 9, 6. He would spend his childhood in Egypt, Hosea 11, 1. He would suffer and make an atonement for sin, Isaiah 53. He would enter Jerusalem on the colt, the full of an ass, Zechariah. He would ride in Jerusalem on this colt, Zechariah 9, 9, and be given gall and vinegar in his agony, Psalm 69, 21. Not a bone would be broken, Psalm 34, 20. Men would cast lots for his garment, Psalm 22, 18. He would utter certain words in his dying agony, which are quoted before he is born, Psalm 22, 1. And when he rise from the dead, Psalm 16, 10. Now explain it. I haven't indicated one reference that wasn't written more than 400 years before Jesus Christ was born, and there isn't any linguist or etymologist in the world who doesn't know everything I read was written before Christ was born. Not even the radical extremists of the Groff-Bellhausen school that followed Cunin and DeWitt back in the 19th century believed that any of the Old Testament was written later than the time of John the Baptist. Because every Orthodox Jew had all the 39 books of your King James Bible in print read in the synagogues 200 years before Jesus showed up. Now let's talk mathematically, shall we? Some of you scientific, broad-minded people that turn up your nose to the Word of God and think we born-again Bible-believing people are a bunch of hillbillies and a bunch of illiterate, uneducated uh, briar hoppers and ridge runners. How about it, stupid? What have you got to say for yourself today? Are you feeling pretty good today? You ready to give an answer and a hope for the reason within you of your foolish religion, Darwinism? Explain what I just gave. All right, if you can't explain it, would you imitate it or copy it, please? Surely you educated scientific people that believe in Darwin's uh, zoo monkey and the Darwinian anthropoid. Surely you people are smart as Isaiah and David and Hosea and Zechariah. Surely. I mean, with the benefit of modern inductive scientific method and the vast for the switches into empirical methods and means whereby the existential positivistic baloney should come out in sausage, surely you can duplicate what I've just said. I've just given you 15 details of a man's life before he was born that came through on the money. Now it's your turn. Requirement number one. You have to get seven different writers a thousand years apart. Requirement number two. They have to write the events without any known record to get their material from. Number three, they have to be unaware of each other's writings when they write, at least the man who's going to write after them. And number four, the details have to be fulfilled historically far enough ahead of them so there's no chance they could have used hindsight 
instead of foresight. When you do that, let us know, won't you? A fellow said to me, you just believe that Bible? He says, because you don't know any better. I gave him the classic answer. I said, that's right, son, I don't know any better. When you show me something better, I'll believe it. After all, the phenomena I've just listed can't be found in the Harvard five-foot shelf of classics. It can't be found in the Encyclopedia Britannica. And I've read the Encyclopedia Americana. It doesn't show up in there anywhere. Now, tell me something, stupid. And I use the word of charity, the same way you use it of the Word of God, and some of us old-fashioned believers. How do you count for this book that we go by having a mathematical scientific phenomenon that you can't produce with 20 centuries of science behind you? Rather interesting, isn't it? Numbers 24:17 said, There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Fulfilled, Matthew 1, 1 to 17. Genesis 49:10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Fulfilled, Luke 1, verse 31 to 33. The Old Testament said, Thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, out of thee shall come forth unto me, he that is to be ruler in Israel. Fulfilled, Luke 2, verse 4 to 7. The Old Testament said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Fulfilled. Matthew 1.18. Daniel chapter 9 said, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. And after three score and two weeks, the Messiah be cut off. He was crucified exactly at that time. And if you uh, put the Gregorian system and the Copernican system and the Julian system, the calendar together, and work out your lunar years and your solar years, to your red, white, blue in the face, you'll find out that his triumphal entry into Jerusalem is dated within eight hours. The Old Testament said, A voice of him that crieth the wilderness would prepare the Lord's way. It was fulfilled in Matthew 3, 3. In Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus Christ is called the mighty God. He said to be deity in John 1, 14. Hosea in the Old Testament said he spent part of his childhood in Egypt. This is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2. It said in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, he would suffer as an atonement. It is fulfilled in Matthew 26 and 27. We read in the Old Testament, the coming to Jerusalem with a fold of an ass. It is fulfilled in detail, Matthew 21, verse 2 to 5. We are told in his death he'd be given gall and vinegar on the cross in the Old Testament, fulfilled in Matthew 27, 34. We are told in the Old Testament that at his death, not a bone of him would be broken, which was fulfilled in Exodus 12:46, which is very unusual since the legs of the crucified prisoners were broken, how'd they miss Christ's legs? And since the Jews' method of capital punishment was stoning, why would an Old Testament man say, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken? What are the chances of a man not having his bones busted in capital punishment under a Jewish nation if he was a Jew, when it be a Jew who'd commit capital punishment on him? And capital punishment for a Jew was stoning. You know what those chances are? Why don't you figure them out? Figure the number of people that had capital punishment in Israel in a year and multiply it by the thousand years their nation was active as a nation under their own government. And how many they stoned? And what the chances are of one man not being stoned who committed blasphemy when the law says the blasphemers to be stoned to death? You say the Roman government. Nice coincidence, wasn't it? You say, well, their method of uh, killing was crucifixion, not stoning. Real handy, don't you think? I wonder why Greece wasn't in power when the Lord came. That would have blown the Scripture. I wonder why Persia or Assyria wasn't in power. That would have blown the Scripture. 
Kind of a coinky-dinky, don't you think? In the Old Testament, it said, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture, fulfilled in Matthew 27, verse 35. We are told in Psalm 22 that Christ would cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And this prophecy was fulfilled in Mark 15, 34. We are told in Psalm 16:10, I will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And Peter affirmed this is literally true in Acts 2, 3, and confirmed by 500 eyewitnesses. You say, well, they just made that up. They did. 500 of them did it, did they? 500 first-hand eyewitnesses? You won't try it in court? You know what the laws of jurisprudence state in America? They state if eyewitnesses testify to something they've seen and commit what they've seen to writing, and it isn't proved conclusively at the time of this committal that they're wrong, that that writing they commit to writing, once it's been testified to, cannot be disannulled, annulled, or overthrown, or rejected unless conclusive evidence to prove they were liars is produced. And that's why every scientist in the world is sweating blood trying to find one bone of Jesus Christ. Because the only conclusive evidence that didn't rise from the dead would be to find the corpus delicti. So they've been working on it for 20 centuries. Just like they've been trying to get to the moon to try to find signs of life to prove Darwin's puddle to paradise theory. $25 billion to disprove Genesis 1 because they were worried about the new birth that was necessary if Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are right. Some people never consider the motive for education, do they? They just take it for granted. Now, what have we said here? I've gone through a very short thing. There are prophecies in the, throughout the Old Testament that speak about his ministry that he'll perform. There are prophecies in the Old Testament that will speak about uh, the men he'll witness to, types the Antichrist. There are prophecies in the Old Testament that speak not only about the soldiers casting lots for his garments, but his cry from the cross, I thirst. There are not only prophecies in these things. You read in the Old Testament, they pierced his hands and his feet, Psalm 22. But we're not through here. When he comes again, the Bible says they shall look upon him whom they pierced. But we're not through yet. We read about the virgin birth. A woman shall compass a man. Whereas the woman has no seed, yet Christ is said to be the seed of the woman. But we're not through yet. We're told in the Old Testament that as a sacrifice, you'll be called a lamb. And in Exodus chapter 12, we're told that the house of Israel is to get a lamb, which is then called the lamb, which is then called your lamb, showing the required sacrifice of the Lamb of God, but only one will do because it's called the Lamb, and unless you appropriate yourself, your Lamb, his atonement is ineffectual. How do you explain that? How do you explain the prophecy in Genesis chapter 22 about an only begotten son, the son of his father's old age, going up a hill with wood on his back, indicating the mode of capital punishment. How do you explain in Exodus chapter 12 the Jew being told to put blood on each side of the door for the dying thief that was saved, the dying thief was lost, and blood over the door for Jesus Christ in the middle? Write me a letter, will you? Box 6021, Pensacola, Florida. I'll waltz with you a while. You explain to me how 48 prophecies could come to pass on one man written 400 to 2,000 years before that man was born, 
you explain that to me logically and scientifically and mathematically and give me a demonstration like the empirical, logical positivist that Vienna wanted and like Einstein wanted when he changed the definition of meaning, and I'll throw him a Bible in the trash can. But until you can offer me 20th century empirical scientific proof, I'm going by scientific fact, and you're going by a deluded pagan imagination. We born again believers are not going by an imagination or by a religious experience. We're both going by computerized empiricism. Before you knew what a computer was, there are 48 prophecies that come to pass the life of one man, and if that weren't enough, here is Joseph back in the Old Testament in Genesis, between Genesis chapter 37 and Genesis chapter 50, whose life matches Jesus Christ's earthly life in 152 particulars. A shepherd, hated of his brethren, envied by his brethren, betrayed by his brethren, sold by his brethren, sold to Gentiles by his brethren, sold for silver to his brethren, in prison, connected with new wine and bread while in prison, with one prisoner hung and one prisoner released. Explain it. If you had all the prophecies of Nostradamus and Mother Shipton and Jean Dixon and Edgar Casey and laid them alongside eight chapters in Genesis, they couldn't win, place, or show. Let me hear you explain it. Here's a book, Genesis, written by a man who lived 1,500 years before Christ was born, that gives 152 details of Christ's life before he shows up. Who'd like to step up and try it? Any of you educated folks from 20 years of college think you're smart? Know a little Greek and Hebrew, do you? Know superlapsarianism and infralapsarianism, do you, sonny? You've been working the pseudepigrapher and the antilegumina and the homologumina, have you? You have, well. You trying to impress somebody talking about the Apocrypha? And the accent, the anti-penote, the circumflex accent on the penote, is that it? You think because you know about Hymenoptera and Lepidoptera and Brontosaurus and Stegosaurus and <coughs> Triceratops and Cenozoic and Mesozoic and listen to the world tomorrow, you got some brains, do you? All right, there's one that'll try out your metal, Sonny. I'll test your metal, brother. Try that one. Explain how a book gives 152 details of a life, of a man's life before he shows up, and then when he shows up, they're fulfilled to the letter with 500 more to go. Now, if I've spoken rather harshly to you in today's broadcast, I've done so with a purpose in mind, because every believer is harassed and dogged day and night by educated people who think that 20 years of education makes them intelligent. And these people, of course, are the curse of Christmas, especially the educated Christians. We have in America many people who think they're much smarter than God or smarter than the Holy Spirit, and many say people who think they're smart enough to, to correct Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I only mention these things to show you that the King James Bible has 500 laid in the line you can put your money on, and the manuscript written before the King James Bible laid 300 on the line. Now, before you tell us all about your degree, Sonny, put up or shut up. Produce the Koran and show us this phenomenon in the Koran before you ask for an ecumenical movement toward Hinduism and Mohammedism. Pick up the sutras and the Vedas and the Tripitaka, the triple basket, and show us this phenomenon. Will you show us that? 
you smart folks. Do you think truth can be separated from fact? We're dealing with facts. Don't give me this ethereal guru stuff about transcendental meditation that it vaporizes you into a cloud of whatever you think you should be. Deal with the facts, kid. Those are the facts. They're documented. They're attested to by witnesses and have survived 3,000 years of satanic, irrational criticism. Before you ask to take our Bible and lay it alongside what some of you nuts have read, would you show us the same phenomena the junk you've read? Is any man listening to my voice that will mail me a copy of the Analects Confucius and mark for me in the Analects Confucius the 800 prophecies that will come to pass in the money with 300, 300 of them all fulfilled? Send me a copy. I'd, I'd like to look it over. Would you send me anything that Joe Smith wrote or Maroney? when he did it with the golden plates, would you send me something that he wrote that isn't taken from the Bible that has this phenomenon? I mean, never mind the place that he copied out of the King James Bible. I've got them all marked anyway. And, Nephi, you know, we keep, we keep track of it, you know. We'll see how things go. The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is Holy Scriptures which can be proved scientifically by mathematical phenomena. And the Lord said to the unbeliever in Isaiah, If you want to know who I am, ask me concerning things to come. I am the first, I am the last, declaring the end from the beginning. I am God, and there is none else. I know no other God. Beside me there is no God and Savior. I am the first and last, and before me there was no God, neither shall there be after me. And God has committed himself in print so that no mathematician can even controvert or dispute his word and retain a sound mind. You have to be intellectually dishonest to classify the Bible with other scripture. Because the mathematical phenomenon in it is not found in any book in the world, including the textbooks on mathematics. I repeat, the chance of 48 prophecies coming to pass fulfilled in one man written 400 to 1,000 years before he was born, are 1 out of 10 to the 157th power. And my dear mathematician, there are not that many electrons in the universe if you count the universe to be 50 billion square light years in all four directions. Something to think about, isn't it? If you're an unsaved man, and something to thank God for if you're a saved man. This completes our first study on Christology, the pastors that deal with the prophecies on the life of Christ. On our next broadcast, we'll take up further studies in Christology, where we will study in detail the life of Christ and the miracles of the Lord Jesus.